Welcome to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good afternoon and welcome into the podcast. I am Jay. Today is March the 10th. It is 2022. And I want to start off the podcast with some sad news uh, out of uh, the Clayton Fire Company uh, in Delaware. Uh, A chief has died uh, after he was injured in a fall. Uh, It was at the at the firehouse. Um, They were uh, or he was operating on a, a scissor lift and apparently uh, they just had uh, some work done to the station, and uh, I guess someone hit the button that raises the do- the garage door, and it knocked over the scissor, uh, the scissor lift, and uh, unfortunately, Chief John Pridemore, uh died uh, at the hospital. Um, of course, condolences go out to all involved. Um, it goes to show that, that line-of-duty deaths aren't something that just happen on major fires. They can happen anywhere. And, um, you know, this could have happened, you know, at any fire station where, where people are doing work. And I guess, uh, you know, the, the key is, is trying your best to see what's going on around you. We call it cockpit resource management. We call it, you know, staying in the flow, looking around, understanding where you are, um, whatever it's called. Um, the last thing we want to do, we don't want to end up at line of, line of duty death funerals. We just don't want to do it. Um, he did strike his head on a piece of fire apparatus as he fell. And, uh, again, a 25 foot fall. It's, uh, it's a tragedy there for, uh, uh, for the Clayton fire company there in Delaware. And again, our thoughts, uh, go out to all involved. You know, I talk to people um, quite a bit. I talk to a wide range of people. And uh, the other night I uh, was talking to a friend who um, I, I've known him for a very long time. Um, he is one of the best uh, fire chiefs in America. Um, he hands down just outstanding at what he does. Um, cares about his his uh, people, and I, I think you know uh, people care about him too. And so we were just tossing some stories back and forth, and uh, he said to me, he said, "You know, he's like you're always hitting on training and education on the podcast and in writing." Um, he said, "You know, they're just not negotiable." And I thought to myself, "I wish I'd come up with that." Training and education aren't negotiable. You don't negotiate those things. You don't say, you know what, we're not going to train today because we don't have anything to train on. If that's your feeling, you don't know your job. You're not good at your job. And you're a danger to everybody around you. Fact. You know, each and every day, We have firefighters who are becoming 
young firefighters transitioning into veteran firefighters, and then finally old firefighters. And the men and women who do that, you don't ever want them to get to that veteran status without knowing their job, much less make it to where they're old firefighters and they don't know their job. Sadly, it happens in places because there's no training, no education, other than the minimum, which, which meets some sort of uh, minimum standard, again, which is just above failure. Um, it, it's shocking to me, and they shouldn't. They're not negotiable. Here's another one that's not negotiable. I'm just going to add this one in, too. Fitness is not negotiable. Training, education, and fitness. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I am uh, not competing in any marathon soon or ever unless they let cars participate. Then I'm happy to. But the type of fitness I'm talking about is job-ready fitness. It's not running a marathon unless if you like to do that, then go ahead. It's also not looking like a million bucks because looks don't mean a thing when it comes to action. What it does mean is... I guess, functional fitness. If you're a firefighter, you have to have good cardio or you're not going to last. And it doesn't matter, again, it doesn't matter if you have the tight waist and the bulging chest. I know guys. In fact, I can think of one right now. He came from the state of Florida to our department. Dude was a specimen. I mean, he was. Worked out, lifted, ran, did everything you can imagine. They put him in a busy... uh, engine company because let's face it he looked the part talked the part first fire we go to with him i'm in the engine just south of his and we go to a fire and i grabbed the hydrant with the engineer excuse me uh guided him in we hooked up the hard suction i then uh go inside I go inside, and as I go through the door where there's a light level of smoke, nothing heavy at all, I go, boom, fall down. I've tripped over something. I get up, and it's this guy. And my thoughts are, crap. So I reach down and look at him. I'm like, are you all right? He's like, I'm gassed. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I said, well, at least get out of the building. So he crawled out of the building. So I go upstairs, and uh, they're making a... They're making a push down the hallway to the last room on the right. Um, Knock the fire down really quick. Come back out, and his captain walks out, and I said, hey, I found dude. Uh, He was down there. He's like, he didn't even make it up here. I'm like, huh? He said, no, he didn't even make it up here. He's like, he's got to go. Come to find out, um, dude was in great shape, but he wasn't a firefighter. He wasn't. Came from a huge department in Florida. Wasn't worth a nickel. Not a nickel. And so eventually they, like most fire departments do, they moved the problem to a place that didn't have a lot of, to a a department, to a company that didn't have a lot of fires. Naturally, they catch a fire right after that. He, again, does not go inside. Um, He got exhausted getting off the truck, so they terminated him. Nowadays, they'd catch hell terminating people. You really have to be an idiot to get terminated nowadays. It's just the way it is. You have to do something horrific to get terminated. 
the point is is that you can look the part, you can sound the part, you can have, you know, your your uh, you can have three PhDs and be certified and everything. But if you don't have that level of fitness coupled with courage, you're not going to make it. Or you may make it, but you'll never be good. They're going to have to hide you. You're going to have to hide in departments where they don't do anything. Nobody wants that. So the functional fitness is all about that, that cardio, the strength necessary to not just do one lift, but to sustain it, right? Um, and, and it's important that that's, that that's taking place. It really is. So the non-negotiables, training, education, which are different things. They are, but they're important. They're not negotiable, and neither is fitness. They're just not. Um, the three of those together, I will say the most important, and I know the fitness people are going to jump all over me for this, but look, you have to know your job. You have to know what you're doing. Um, and you have to be able to do it. So fitness is part of doing it. But I believe the first two are education and training and fitness. It's, it's a strategic triad, really. It's, it's, uh, it's those three things that go into making good firefighters. doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter how cool you think your helmet looks or your gear or whether it's got soot on it or no soot or any of those things. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you do. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done for people there. They're not negotiable. So I'm going to get into a rant today. Um, and this rant is brought about, uh, frankly, by the types of people who like to get involved in destructive drama. It's the double D's. Destructive drama. Sometimes people get addicted to the spotlight. They do. Sometimes people think that they have a broad view, you know, the whole total picture. When in reality, all they see is what's on either side of them and directly in front of them. They believe mistakenly that they have the strategic view. When in reality, they have a tactical view of one situation. It is a fatal conceit. It's the conceit of thinking, oh, I got this licked. I got these people behind me. I got these people behind me. And I see out in front of me what can go wrong. Friends, Everything can go wrong, and it often does. Oftentimes, those who are addicted to the spotlight are the last ones to figure out that while they have been in the spotlight, you know, doing their thing, their base has been has completely eroded. They are standing not on wood, not on a solid foundation. They're standing on dust. And, by and large, they've ruined their career. Or, and I'm not just saying at a department. Anywhere. When you get addicted to the spotlight, when it becomes a problem, is when you think that by virtue of, of 
uh, of a, a mandate that, that you're the only one that can speak. And therefore, because you're the only one that can speak, you're going to speak for everybody. So, let me talk a little bit about um, the IAFF, International Association of Firefighters. Uh, all of you are familiar with it. Many of us have been members. Many of us have supported them over the years. Um, this is going to hurt some feelings, and that's okay. There are certain locals around the country that if you ever see them, if you're ever, ever able to witness them, go to meetings, get invited in to have discussions, they're very impressive. They're very polished. The people who lead them are people who do a very good job of advocating for their local. They do. They're really good. They're polished. They know what to say, when to say it. They know, more importantly, they know what not to say and what not to do. And I'm friends with some of these people. I am. I've known some of them for a while. Um, but I'm always amazed at, at how poised they are and how small things don't move them off of message. I also like the fact that they carry water only for the local. They don't carry anybody else's water. They just don't because they don't need to, because they know what they're doing, because they're interested. And hear this now. They're interested in their membership, safety for all firefighters, and staying on message. These things are vital. They're vital for anyone, but especially when you're a leadership in an, in an organization, whether it be the IAFF, um, you know, your, your political party, your church, your synagogue, your, you know, whatever, you name it. It's important. But I think what I really take away and have taken away uh, the most is the fact that they understand the core mission. It's not to say there's not failures here and there, but frankly, they are consistent, almost unlike any other organizations that I know. There are others that are just as good. I'm not saying that, but they're always on message. And that's vital. Because when you go off message, when you start trying to carry everyone's weight, well, then you're in for a trouble. I'm going to take a drink of coffee. So, whether you're, you know, Boston, FDNY, uh, you know, you name it, D.C., uh, L.A., uh, Seattle, Chicago, of course, locals all over the country, but not just big locals either. There are some outstanding mid-sized and small locals around the country. A lot of them are really up against it. And yet, no matter how much they're up against it, they only carry the water of the local. They don't try to be all things to all people, because you can't. It's like a fire chief. You take a fire chief of any department, and that fire chief looks out for his people, right? Budgets, everything. 
here's what they typically don't do. Oh man, the parks department. Wow, yeah, they really need to they really need to trim these trees. I think I'm going to advocate for them to the mayor or the budget committee or whatever. Or if you're in a city manager, that type of thing. You know why they don't do that? Because they have someone that does that. They do. Uh, so it's important to know your role, advocate for those you need to advocate for. It doesn't mean you don't help other departments. There are fire departments, police departments that, that often help each other. They do. Same, same cities, they're helping each other. And I'm not talking about in the street. Everybody wants to help everybody in the street. I'm talking about from, from the perspective of advocating in front of council or in front of a commission or in front of a board, whatever your political system happens to be. So let's go back to the fire chief. The fire chief has a job, and it's a tough one. I know a lot of people out there, they go, rah, rah, well, it's not that hard. Well, you, you, have that, you have the right to your opinion. But it's not an easy job. There's a lot of pressure on people. And typically, there's enough for them to do just trying to keep the fire department front and center and rolling. Well, I think we can take the lesson of the fire chief and apply it to other organizations. You know, if, if you're the head or, or whatever of a local, uh, local, of a local local, of an IFF local, it's important that you advocate for your people. It is. They're your members. They're why you're there. So you advocate for them. But you can't run off advocating for everything because now you're, you're blurring the role. It's angering to the membership. Absolutely. It's always angering to an administration or administrations, plural. It's the way it works. You can't solve every problem. That's why an IFF local will often, you know, they'll endorse a Republican one election, a Democrat the next one, and an Independent the next one. Do you want to know why they do that? Single issue. How are they treating firefighters? That's the strength of the IFF. It's the strength of, the, of any of your fire organizations. Knowing the role and doing it extraordinarily well. That's the way it works just it's the way what happens when when people go outside not only outside the lanes hell they get off the freeway at an exit and get on the back road well the back roads are a little bit different when you start getting away from from the 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 uh the interstate of thought with respect to what you're advocating for now you're in dangerous territory um it's fraught with danger and it typically it's dangers you don't realize until weeks months years later you have to be careful. That's the bottom line. Good, effective leadership is always about staying on target, staying on message. And, you know, here's another one I'm going to use. This, uh, and I have to use this one. It, it, you just become a pilot, right? Um and, and you fly some flights, you know, you do whatever, and now you've been upgraded. You're, you've gone from, uh, from a co-pilot to a pilot. Here's what a pilot doesn't do. The pilot doesn't go, huh, you know what? Um, people need to be served drinks. I better get back there and start serving drinks. Not his or her role. 
well, you know what? The toilet's backed up. I need to, I'm going to have to leave the flight deck and go back there to unstop the toilet. Not his or her role. Somebody else's role. Other people have defined roles. The same will go for an engineer who's, who's you know, working, working on an engineering problem. They don't go out and say, well, gosh, these bushes would look really great in front of this, this thing we're building over here. And I'm, I'm wondering if we can landscape. No, that's not their role. There are people who do that. Every organization has its advocates, whether they're paid or not. Let people fulfill their roles and don't overstep. Because it's stupid to do it. Because you're done. You're cooked without even knowing it. And it's unfortunate. It really is. Again, spotlight can be very bright. Those of us who've had our 15 or 20 minutes, um, it can be very uncomfortable. And it can also lead to uh, very bad things. It's just a thought. I want to turn next to another rant. Uh, <laughs> And this one's about social media. I got some feedback this morning on, a, on the podcast about uh, Facebook warriors and about how um, this uh, guy who listens to the podcast, he, uh, he wrote to me this morning and he was talking about uh, a post that appeared uh, on his, or not on his, but on his friend's Facebook that uh, basically uh, caused his friend to be terminated. Well, they allowed him to resign. They allowed him to resign, and this guy was just a few years from retirement. And this guy liked, uh, he liked speaking up, which is fine. It's your right. He tried to argue that, that it was his right to say whatever he wanted to. He even dropped in, uh, it's a constitutional right. Here's the thing about constitutional rights. Most people don't know what they are. We've all dropped in, that's my right. We have. And, and by and large, we get away with it. I mean, we do. This isn't, uh, this isn't Russia. This isn't uh, North Korea. Um, we have a lot of rights in this country, and sure, some of them may be curtailed now and then, but uh, line us up against any other country, I'll take our rights any day. For example, I'm doing this podcast, and you're listening. Eh, okay. But, you know, a lot of people want to argue their constitutional rights over things that don't merit it. So yes, it's your right to post on Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. It's also facing the consequences. People don't realize that each and every Facebook post is recorded somewhere. Even if you delete it, it stays around. I know, you don't believe me, that's fine. But it does. Uh, Instagram, ditto. Twitter, I'm not sure about. Really not. I don't, I don't know much about Twitter, but I'm imagining that, that they stay around. So here's my thing. Why would you put a career in jeopardy 
over going on and saying something that doesn't make sense, possibly infuriating uh, your bosses, all because of some stupid comment or stupid picture. And later, when you're called out on it, what's almost every response? Well, I didn't know. Sure you do. You know. You can't hide behind you don't know. Now, that's not to say that everything that, that someone posts is a reason to terminate someone. That's not what I'm saying at all. There are people that put things on there. It's well within their rights, and that's fine. Here's my thing, and I've said this a lot. Don't get into arguments with people that buy ink by the gallon, writers, journalists, things like that. And don't get involved over issues that are playing out way above your head. You can. You can. I'm not saying you can't. You can do it. But then you have to deal with the consequences. Lost friendships, lost jobs, lost opportunities, lost everything. Too many people have been uh, sent out the door because of social media. And not all of them were correct. But out the door they went anyway. So yes, it's your right. It is. It's your right up until someone says it's not your right. And then you have to get involved with lawyers and things. And, And you know what? Good luck with that. I know lots of people. I know tons of people who were going to sue. And I know three or four who actually did it. And the results are underwhelming, to say the least. doesn't mean you take everything, you sit back, and you never say anything. What it does mean is this. Just think about this. What are you winning when you engage on social media on subjects that you think you're an expert on and you're not? Do you really think the people around you, your fellow firefighters, whatever, do you really think they're supporting you? Because I can assure you, they're not. Some may. And they're saying, well, this guy's a useful idiot. By and large, no one likes it. No one does. Not in your department, other departments, County, city, state, federal administrations, whoever you work for, it's not well-liked. I can promise you that. And it doesn't go away. That's another problem. Want to be a chief someday? Want to be a captain? Whatever. Whatever your rank structure is. These things don't go away. There's a lot of material out there about it. So, at the end of the day, ask yourself the following question. What am I doing? Is it effective? And is it worth it? If you think it's worth it, and if you think it's effective, have at it. But don't forget, there are consequences. And sometimes people don't think enough about those consequences. Firefighting, look, everybody's connected. We all know that. Firefighting is a great job. It is. It's a wonderful job. It's a wonderful career. You have to ask yourself, do you want to sacrifice another 15, 20 years on the job by not having one? 
just because you feel like standing up and tapping your chest a little bit. Is it worth it? My guess? No, it's not. Here's what I do know. I know guys that have been terminated. The ones I've talked to, to a person, says they wish they hadn't done it. So, keep that in mind. End of rant for that. Finally today, I want to talk a little bit about uh, politics and firefighting. Um, there are lots of, there's lots of education and training material on, on firefighting, ventilation, advancing hose lines, all kinds of things. There's not a lot of material on politics and firefighting. Firefighting is a dangerous job. It is. It's a very dangerous job to life and limb. Higher cancer rate, more illness, back injuries, you name it. Politics is also a dangerous game. We might not think it is, but it is. Lost reputations, lost money. Uh, sometimes people go to jail or prison. We see it. Usually it's over corruption and things like that. But politics is dangerous. It's dangerous to your livelihood. Uh, it's dangerous to your reputation. It's dangerous for your family if things go bad. There are some people who've made the jump from firefighting into politics. Um, there's a few, you know, and that's fine. I'm of the opinion that firefighting and politics don't mix. Not now, not then, and it won't ever. Politicians understand the people who elect them, or else they don't get elected in the first place. Their job is to set policy and do things like that. Their job is also to run for office. We see it all the time. The firefighter's job is straightforward, protect the public. Politicians sometimes get mad at firefighters. Firefighters overwhelmingly get mad at politicians, but so does everybody else. Here's a fact, though, that people don't particularly care for, but they call themselves, oh, I'm, an, I'm an American patriot, or I know my law, all this. Uh, politicians are the masters, local, state, federal level. We are a republic. It's what we are. You don't get to tell politicians what they have to do. And if you can't handle it, you need to look elsewhere. The public, the voting public, can recall politicians or defeat them at the next election. It's the way our system works. You as a firefighter, you can organize, you can protest, you can do, go do lots of things. And lots, lots of things, some of those things are very effective. But you talk with anyone who has half a brain and they'll tell you quickly, yeah, well, unless it breaks the law or puts people in a gross amount of danger, politicians are going to set the, the, the bar for how high we're going to climb. You have good politicians who will say, you know what, I'm going to leave law enforcement to our law enforcement people. That's why we hire a chief, fire, firefighting to the fire chief. That's why we hire a chief, parks and rec, and all, all sorts of things. But ultimately, if they choose to get involved, that's their right. They are elected by the people, no one else. 
And again, we don't have to like it. But if we don't have a basic understanding of that, if we don't, then we're not advocating for anybody. We're setting people up for, for big falls. It's just not smart. Don't pick fights with people who write. And be wary of picking a fight with people who are elected, especially if you don't know what's really going on. I've seen it far too many times. My friends and I, we've seen it far too many times. My guess is if you've been in the fire service for a little while, you've seen it too. But you have to be open-minded to see it. Now again, I'm for firefighters. I've ranted to politicians. I've spoken at meetings. I've interviewed uh, politicians. I've done all sorts of things. I've been on television with them. I've been on the radio with them. And the bottom line is they have a role. Firefighters have a role. Those roles are different because they need to be. Period. So, don't make the mistake of jumping in a pool with a bunch of sharks thinking that because you're a minnow, they're not going to eat you. You'll get eaten, spit out, and nobody will know. Just like if you get a politician who has no knowledge of firefighting, and they come running up on the fire ground, and they say, give me that hose thingy, and they go running in the house, you're going to have to go in and get them out because they don't know what they're doing. Two different roles. Politicians aren't very well. It's not a respected, politi- a respected role in American uh, society right now, but I think most politicians get that. They still have a job to do. Firefighting is respected. It's respected because it's not the same role as a politician. Politicians have to tell people good and bad news. Firefighters generally are there to help, always help. Two different roles. Know them, respect them. Go do your thing. Just some friendly advice. That's going to do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.